0: if we refused to be limited. You see, I'm convinced that, that none of us are reaching our full potential. Today I'm going to talk about life without limits. I believe there are various things in all of our lives that we allow to limit us and rob from us the life that God intended for us to have. Jeremiah 29 and 11, God said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I love it in the Amplified Version, Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full until it over." flows. I believe that Jesus was saying here that, that he wants us to live life without limits. Now there are a host of things that we could talk about today, things that we allow to limit us. And even though there is an incredible list that we could talk about one thing after another after another, and yet I also believe that all of these things could could fit in two categories. And those two categories are sin and self. These two things limit us the most and rob from us the life that God intends for us to enjoy. So let's talk about these two things this morning. First of all, let's talk about, let's talk about sin. Everybody wants to talk about sin in December, right? Let's talk about sin a little bit this morning. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. James says, but but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. All through the Bible, we can see person after person after person after person who had incredible potential. One after the other, we see them. Amazing potential, incredible calling, and unbelievable anointing. And they begin well. And they do great things. And the sky is the limit for them. And then, sin. Sin limits them and at, and at best they, they become a mere shadow of what they once were and only accomplish a very small percentage of what they could and should have. People like Samson, people like David, people like Demas, people like Judas, only to name a few, we could go on and on listing the names of people in the Bible. We can also talk about modern day people, people that we all know, people who had, who had unbelievable opportunities. People who started out well, people who accomplished much in a, in a very short amount of time. People whose future was so bright. P- people who could have done incredible things for God and then sinned sin and their participation in it limited them and for some it completely stopped what they were doing let's talk a little bit about sin this morning let me suggest six things about sin this morning if you look on the back of your bulletin you'll find fill in the blank notes let me give you six things about sin today let me suggest first of all that sin abounds sin is everywhere Sin is available to everybody. Sin is an, is an equal opportunity employer. I don't think you can go one single day. I'm not sure you can even go one single hour without an opportunity to sin. You will be tempted to look at something or listen to something or think about something. Greed or lust or envy or anger or jealousy or bitterness. And the list is on and on and on and on. Sin abounds. But not only does sin abound, sin attracts. Sin is attractive. At least on the surface. I don't know how you see it, but I... I, Seriously, doubt that Bathsheba was a homely woman. <laughs> Rather, she was probably more like a model for Victoria's Secret. Because the devil knows how to package and promote sin. The Bible says that that he himself is transformed into an angel of light. I, I would think that if Satan has the ability to make himself look attractive, if he can make the devil look good, then he also knows how to make the ugliest, vilest, most disgusting, and most degrading sin look attractive and appealing. Not only does sin attract, but sin also approaches. Sin's not bashful. Sin is not reserved. Sin will approach the most godly individual. Sin will approach you. Sin will approach me. Sin will will walk right up to your heart's door and knock. Sin will dangle its carrot right in front of your nose. Unless we forget what sin is, we need to remind ourselves that sin literally means to miss the mark. I'll never forget many years ago now, our family was riding in the car going somewhere and me and my wife were fussing. I know you never fuss with your companion, but me and my wife were fussing in front of the kids. We didn't do it often, but it did happen, and it happens to you too. And we were fussing and riding along, and Chad was just a little bitty guy. I don't know how old he was, but just a little bitty guy. How old was he, baby? About four years old. Riding in the back seat, so I guess Christy either wasn't here or she was just a baby. And he's riding in the back seat, and he's hearing his mom and his dad fussing in the front seat. And four little old Chad. He, he interrupts us and he says, Mama, Mama, do you know why Jesus died? We don't want to talk about why Jesus died. We're in a fuss. <laughs> in fact, we don't want Jesus to be anywhere around right now. Mama, he said, four years old. Mama, do you know why Jesus died? Finally, my wife said, Yeah, Chad, I know why Jesus died. Well, why did he die? To take away our sin. That's right, Chad said, four years old. Mama, why did he just say mama? I wonder. Mama, do you know why Jesus died? Yes, Chad, I know why Jesus died. Why did he die, Mama? He died to take away our sin. Chad, four years old, he said, Mama, Mama, do you know what sin is? What's sin, Chad? Arguing. The definition of sin is literally to miss the mark. Sin is not reserved for the prostitute and the alcoholic and the child molester. Lust is sin. Uncontrolled anger is sin. Bitterness and envy and jealousy are sins. I don't know about you, but I have no problem with drinking, smoking, dipping, chewing, and cussing. Well, cussing might come in handy on the golf course every once in a while. But if I want to cuss, I just point to a Baptist or a sinner. They'll do it for me. I'm just kidding. Come on. I don't have any problem with with drinking, smoking, dipping, chewing, and cussing. And the devil never bothers me with these sins. He doesn't. But he does approach me sometimes with the temptation to To want to give somebody a piece of my mind. Sometimes the last thing I want to be is pastoral. He does approach me sometimes with a temptation to take matters into my own hands instead of letting God take care of things. Not only does sin attract, sin absorbs. It absorbs. Sin, Sin is like a sponge. It sucks up all that's around it. You see, sin never isolates itself to one person. You cannot sin without affecting other people. A man sneaks out of bed late at night and looks at pornography on the internet. Saying to himself, I'm not hurting anybody. It's my problem. No, when your wife finds out about it, it'll also be her problem. She'll begin to think thoughts like, why am I not enough for him? She will begin to feel cheap and used when you try and be intimate with her. Thinking thoughts like, is he in this bed with me or is his mind somewhere else? Is he thinking of the women he's been looking at online. The alcoholic says, it's my problem. No, it's not just your problem. It becomes a problem to everybody that loves you and everyone that you love. Sin absorbs it. It sucks up and out of all the joy, all the happiness, all the trust, all the integrity that you ever had. But Sin doesn't only absorb, but sin accelerates. Sin has a snowball effect. It it might begin very, very small. See, see the affair began with just a look. And the fact that after the look, you refused to look away. Every addiction begins with a promise. And the promise is, I'm just going to do this one time. But sin accelerates. And Satan tells you, you're different from everybody else. You can handle this. This will not be a problem for you. But Never forget, Satan's a liar. And the only time he lies is when he moves his mouth. David's affair with Bathsheba began with just a look, but ended with the taking of a life. Not only does sin accelerate, sin apprehends. James said, "Sin, when it is full-grown, sin when it is when it is finished, brings forth death. Sin is deadly." Sin is filled with, with poisonous venom. Sin sin begins, it begins by laying its, its hand very gently on your shoulder. But it is always ever so slightly moving until it ends up hand around your throat, choking the very life out of you. My subject today is life without limits. And I believe this is the life that God has chosen for all of us to enjoy today, life without limits. God, God hands us all of us. He hands us a book called Life. And it is filled with empty pages for us to fill in. And it is an unlimited book with unlimited pages. And he gives us this thing called choice. Yeah. And we write our life's book with the choices that we make. And when we choose to sin, we limit what our life Could and should be. Let's look at another thing that limits us in life. Sin limits us, but the second thing is self. Somebody said it and they said it right. I have met the enemy and I am he. Would you like for me, the pastor of this church, would you like for me to tell you who who causes me the most trouble at New Bethel? Look around, just think who it might, no, don't do that. (laughs) Would you like for me to expose the biggest troublemaker in New Bethel? I'll tell you who the biggest troublemaker is in my life. It's the one that I look at in the mirror every morning when I shave and brush my teeth. I've met the enemy and I am he. We like to point a finger at somebody. We like to point a finger at a circumstance or a situation or an individual and say, this is the why, why I am like I am, and why I've done or not done, what I've done or not done. No. No. Your biggest troublemaker is the one that looks back at you in the mirror every day. The biggest limiter in your life is the person that, you look, that looks back at you in the mirror every morning. Let me give you three self deficiencies that limit us. Let me suggest, first of all, lack of love. Did you know that a lack of love in our lives can limit us and rob from us the life that God intended us to have? A lack of love? Where'd you get that? Well, I got it out of my sermon manual. On page 1011 of my sermon manual, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Wow! That's pretty awesome. But he said, Although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But he said, If I don't have love, I become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so much faith that I can remove mountains, but he says, if I don't have love, I have nothing. I am nothing. And he said, and though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but he said, if I have not love, it profits me Nothing. Paul, Paul says here, he says, he says no matter who we think we are, he says no matter what we have done in life, he said that if we lack love, we have limited our effectiveness. He actually says we are a big fat zero. He so said we're nothing. We're Nobody. My question to all of us here today is, is, is what what could our lives be like if we, were, if we were more lovable? What could our lives be like if we were more loving towards others? Oh, I, I wonder, I wonder this morning what, what areas we have limited ourselves in because of our lack of love. Another self-deficiency that limits us It's like a vision. Terah was the father of Abram who became Abraham. Terah. Now not too much is said about Terah in the Bible. But if you will read between the lines, I personally believe that you will discover that his story is far too common. Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 and 32 says that one day Terah took his family and moved away from Ur. And he was headed for Canaan. But the Bible says he stopped in Haran and settled. And it says Terah lived for 205 years and died while still... In Haran. Now, you can just read over that and think the is all about Abram, but there's a story right there. Terah initially sets his sights on Canaan. He leaves the familiar, which was something they didn't do in those days, but he leaves the familiar. Huh? He leaves what he knows, he leaves what he's comfortable with to go to another land, to go to a far off land. It's an adventure. No doubt Tara is excited. Along with excitement, because I know a little bit about it, along with the excitement, I'm convinced there was a little, there was a little, he was a little bit scared too. I can think back of some of the moves that I made in my life. On one hand, I was so excited, on the other hand, I was scared, spitless. He's excited, but no doubt afraid. But he starts the journey anyway. He has a vision. He has a vision of a better life for his family. Uh, uh, I don't know, but perhaps he has dreamed this dream a thousand times. And perhaps he has tried to muster up the courage to leave many, many times finally one day he musters up the courage and finally one day he makes the decision and and he makes the effort and off he goes on his way to Canaan. But something happened to Terah along the way. Something that I'm afraid happens to far too many if not most people. In his journey from Ur to Canaan, he, he passed through Haran. He's been traveling, he's tired, he's weary. Haran is easier than the journey he's been on. And he begins to justify. And he says to himself, "I need a break." It's amazing to me people that ask for a break. I've never seen them do anything. But he says to himself, "I need a break." Think I'll stay here a while. Think I'll tread some water. Think I'll enjoy some downtime. Think I'll put my feet up for a while. Terah enters Haran, but never leaves. He gets as far as Haran, but no farther. His goal is Canaan. He settles for Haran. Lack of vision limits us. Let me bring this down to home this morning. What has happened to your vision? What has happened to your vision? What ever happened to your dream? Have you settled? Where were you headed initially? Do you even remember? Do you even remember the vision? Have you settled for less than the original vision you had? And and what is it that has caused you to settle? Is it the struggle of the journey? Is it the obstacles that are in the way? Were you really naive enough to think that you could get from where you were to where you wanted to be without some major obstacles to overcome along the way? Is it fear that has stopped you? Fear nearly stopped my dream one time. God has spoken so clearly to me. And I'd already done it. I mean, I'm everything but driving out. The time comes to draw the line in the sand, step over the line. And I got fear raging in me, and I'm just about to back out of this thing. And it was my wife. who said, honey, I don't care how scared you are. I don't care about anything else. I don't care that we can go back. I don't care that it's more comfortable. Not all I want to know, honey. All, all The only question I have, baby. You said God said this, this, and this. Did God say this, this, and this or not? Doesn't matter if you're scared. Amen. I mean, let me just help you a little bit. If you're not scared, God's not in it. Did God say this, this, and this? You said He did. Did He or did He not? I said, yes. <laughs> Off we went never looked back. What is it that has caused you to settle? Is it discouragement? Did you think you could get there faster than it's happening? Is it a lack of support for others? Or from others, excuse me. Is it a lack of support from others? Are you going to settle? Are you going to quit because you, because you don't have a cheerleading squad? Are <laughs> you going to settle because nobody's marching in your parade? Perhaps you've settled because Haran is just too comfortable to leave. Haran is far too comfortable to leave. I don't know what I said. Did I say Haran? I think I said Canaan. Perhaps you've settled because Haran is far too comfortable to leave. It might not be Canaan, but it's pretty good. And it's far more comfortable than the rest of the trip is surely to be. My subject today is life without limits. What could our lives be like if we didn't stand in our own way? Where could life take us if we refused to settle? Now, I can't prove this, but but there's not a doubt in my mind that somewhere down the line, Tara regretted settling in Haran. I believe that the day came when, when he had a sick feeling come over him. And he began to think thoughts like, why did I settle? Why did I settle here? I was headed to Canaan, but I settled for Haran. I never got there, and now I'm too old to try. honestly tell you, there's a couple of times in my ministry that the only thing that made me follow through on my dream was the fact that I didn't want to experience regret. I didn't want to get to the end of my life and the end of my ministry and regret that I didn't at least try. I would rather try and fail than fail to try. If we had the time this morning, we could talk about the 12 spies that were sent to spy out the promised land found in Numbers chapter 13. And because of a lack of vision, 10 out of 12 limited the plan that God had for them and two to three million of their people. But we'll move on. Let's talk about one more thing this morning that limits us. Lack of faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. Matthew 13 and 58 says that Jesus did not do many mighty works there. Ah, oh, He's the Son of God. Oh, he has the Holy Spirit without measure, the Bible says, but He did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. James 1, verse 6 and 7, Let a man ask in faith without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. I wonder how many times we have limited what God wanted to do in and through and for us by our lack of faith. I wonder how many times we absolutely insult God with our puny prayers. Ephesians 3 and 20 in the Amplified Version says, God is able to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. And yet we pray such pitiful, puny prayers. We act like our request is going to bankrupt heaven or something. (laughs) We treat God like He's got to be very, very careful in rationing out His power and His provision so He won't run out. How absurd. I love the story of Alexander the Great. One of my favorite stories. One of his leaders came to him and said to Alexander the Great, said, there's a man here who has made a request of you, but what he has asked for is far more than you have ever given. You have never given a gift like this to anybody ever before. It is a ridiculous, ridiculously enormous amount. Alexander the Great said, give him what he asked for. Alexander the Great said, he has treated me like a king in his asking. I will respond like a king in my giving. Friend, I am not suggesting selfishness. I am not suggesting wrong motives today. But friend... Oh, if we will treat God as the all supreme being that He is. Oh, if by faith we will see God as a giant, huge, enormous, big God. God will respond to us according to our faith. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Musicians and singers, would get back in place this morning, please. I cannot speak for you. But as for me today, the person that I have the most trouble with is the one that looks back at me in the mirror. And I am my own greatest limiter. As a pastor, sometimes in my zeal to protect my church, I'll scale back a little bit. Because the last thing I want to do is bring harm to the church. The last thing I want to do is get the church financially in trouble like many pastors do and then run off. They can run off and leave it for the church to take care of. I've never done that and never intend to. That being said, There have been times in my ministry when I scaled back from what I probably should have done. Because the last thing I wanted to do was lead my church into trouble. Where could we be in our life? Church, where could we be as a church? If we could see God as a great big God, And believe Him for ginormous things. Stand with me this morning, please. There are two things. There are two things that limit limit us more than anything else. Those two things are sin and self. I wonder, I wonder what could our lives be like if we refuse to be limited? And what would it be like to live life without limits. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word today. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you will cement this word into our heart today. Father, I pray there will be signs following your word. So your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and nobody's looking about, please. Please. ask you today what is it that is limiting you what is it that's limiting you today is it sin is there sin in your life today is that what is limiting you from being all that God has ordained for you to be and become and do and enjoy and experience If you have sin in your life today and you want to remove that limitation today, you want to remove that by confessing and forsaking your sin today, if that's you today, I want you to lift your hand all over this room real high. Lift it up. I have sin in my life and I want to deal with that sin. God bless you, sir. I have sin in my life. Remember, sin simply means to miss the mark. doesn't necessarily mean you're an adulterer. doesn't necessarily mean you're an alcoholic or a prostitute or... Simply means to miss the mark. I've sinned in my life, and I want to get that sin out of my life. I want to get it. I want to. I want to confess it. And I want to forsake it today, so that I can remove that limitation from my life. Anyone else? Only one. There's more that should. How many others this morning? Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you, both of you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Anybody else today? Anybody else today? All right. How many of you this morning in this room would lift a hand and say "I"? I'm not living life without limits. The, the thing that is limiting me more than anything else is me. Self. Self. I'm in my own way. I'm in my own way. And I, I want God to help me this morning. Is that you this morning all over this room? All over this room. Not a third. Should be 100%. But the rest of you are saints. That's okay. It's alright. Too late. Sorry. Hey, I have a little fun with you. you got to know, okay. Seriously, more lifted their hand. Maybe half of the people lifted their hand. If you lifted your hand or you did not lift your hand this morning, it's either sin or self that has limited you today. And you just wonder, where could my life take me? Where could God take me? Where could I go in my life if I remove these limits? I want to do that Today. You lifted your hand or you did not? You want to respond? I want you to come and stand in the front this morning. Very quickly. Everyone move very quickly. Thank you. God bless you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Whether you lifted your hand or not, you can still come this morning. You can still come. It's not too late. You You can still come. You can still come. Still come. All right. I'd like everyone else to come in and fill in behind them. I know we can't all get in the altar area, but we can all make a move forward. I want us to come a little closer. Everybody, coming a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. Father, I just pray today for everyone that lifted a hand today. Father, I believe that that you have uh, you have shined a spotlight uh, on some area in our life today. Lord, what is a temptation to one is not a temptation to another. What is a weakness for one is a strength for another. But Lord, all of us deal with things. We all limit ourselves and limit you, God. We limit you and what you can do in and through our lives. You limit us, God. Or we limit you, God, and we limit what can happen in our lives. And I just pray today, Lord, that whatever it is today, whatever it is today will be taken from our lives today. Lord, if it's sin, I just pray, Lord, that you will cleanse us, cleanse us. Let the blood of Jesus Christ wash over us and cleanse us from unrighteousness today. Help us today, I pray. We're gonna take about 30 seconds this morning, just one-on-one, just you and God today, just you and God. We'll have a song here in just a moment, but here for about 30 seconds to a minute, give you an opportunity. I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna give you one-on-one time with God. It starts right now.
1: There be no higher name Jesus Son of God You lay down Your perfect life You are the sacrifice Jesus Son of God You are Jesus Son of God Be lifted High then all you've overcome. Your name be louder than any other song. There is no power that can come against your love. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. Be lifted Father, we declare that we want to live our lives without limits. Father, we want to live our lives by faith and not sight. Lord, we want you to lead and direct our lives. So, Father, we receive the word this morning. We receive it in our hearts. Father, from this day forward, we're going to live without limits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us, please turn in your connection card at our welcome center. Everybody live without limits and have a wonderful afternoon.